This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 36, Return of the Golden Calves, recorded on June 23rd, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, with your hosts, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing real good. For the first time in maybe two recordings, I can breathe through my nose, so <laughs> I'm hoping it'll sound better and I can breathe the whole time. It'll be great. It's, uh, well, in addition to your, your nasal patches clearing up, I feel like uh, <laughs> Cleveland the sports right now that's happened. <laughs> riding high. Just a little bit, yeah, the Cavs. I mean, before we even get into baseball in a little bit, we'll talk about them. But, of course, the Cavs did a thing, and the Indians 6-0 and over the last few games, and the Browns haven't played yet, so we'll count that as a win. I think I have to update you wrote a couple weeks ago about your the highlight of Cleveland sports. Do you think you'd update that after the last couple days, or would you say, like, heading into a Game 7 is still almost more exciting? <laughs> no, I... I would say having won the championship uh, probably tops that. But I do think, you know, I mean, winning a championship and having the other active team in first place, I have no idea how often that happens. It would be kind of neat to look at, like, NBA, NHL, uh, NFL, and Major League Baseball champions and see how the other teams in that city were doing at the time. Yeah, I was almost thinking about doing that. Seeing, I mean, the problem is I already probably know the answer. It's like... Does winning a championship actually mean the other teams do better? So you could like look at this time for the problem is it'd be the Marlins for so many years. And I don't think the Heat winning does any good for the Marlins. So so at least for basketball, maybe it hasn't happened so often, but maybe some other sports. What's just run the NBA championship in recent years? It would have been like Dallas one year. That could have been the year the Rangers were good, right? Doesn't have a basketball or doesn't have a baseball team, so the Spurs championships would do nothing for it. Well yeah, I was just going Texas for that, I guess. Oh, I don't know if Texans would approve of that. Oh, they're all the same thing, Jason. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Okay, so uh, anyway, of course, we're going to talk about... It's going to be a whole lot of good today, probably. Um, of course, the Cavs and then the Indians being undefeated. We're going to talk about the Indians hitting a lot of dingers. Uh, we're going to have a Tigers preview with, bless you boy, staff writer Brandon Day. That'll be a lot of fun. Then we actually have quite a few social media questions. We probably won't get to all of them today, but... So first, uh, just the game recaps. Indians 6-0 and in the last two series. They haven't lost since our last recording. That might be a coincidence, but I'm going to say it isn't. It's all it's all because of us. Uh, 3-0 against the White Sox. 3-0 against the Rays. They outscored the opponents 39-11. to That's including a 13-2 blowout over the White Sox on Saturday. And a 6-0 and shutout on some other day against the Rays. Tyler Naquin, he's been great in the last week. The most encouraging thing for him, I think. I mean, he's four for seven, but he also has three walks, a home run, a double, and a triple. So, I mean, it's all the things we wanted out of him to do is take walks, strike out less, and hit more uh, extra base hits, and he's done all of that. And then Rajai Davis, of course, he has six hits in last week, four stolen bases. He currently leads the AL in stolen bases. I think it's 21. One Uribe, after coming back from his injury, which is not fun, he has four home runs, so <laughs> maybe he should do that more often. I don't want to really say that. Carlos Santana, 7 for 25, two home runs for himself. Corey Kluber, of course, he had his complete game shutout with only three hits. And Trevor Bauer has been incredible over his last two starts. We'll talk about him more later. But over 16 innings, only two earned runs, 19 strikeouts for Bauer. And then Brian Shaw, we talked about him a lot last last episode. He had three appearances over the last week and no earned runs. So 
even after Matt Slickning kind of tortured the virtual version of him in Out of the Park Baseball. He didn't do that in real life, so that was good. And then the bad in the last week, I mean, <laughs> there's almost nothing. Mike Mike Napoli was technically the worst hitter with a 79 WRC plus in the last week, which, I mean, I'll take that. Chris Jimenez didn't hit for anything, but he's just in there to be Trevor Bauer's personal catcher, so I'll take that as well. So what stuck out for you in these last two series? Hopefully they're good things. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the last bad, week of baseball was a lot of fun. Uh, top of the list for me would definitely be Trevor Bauer. Um, I mean, you know, two great starts from him. A great month from him. Uh, at Fangraphs, Trevor Bauer leads all major league pitchers in war for the month of June. Uh, he is... He's number one. Clayton Kershaw is number two. And uh, in this day and age, anytime you're beating up Clayton Kershaw, uh, things are going really well. He started five games this month. Uh, he's thrown 38 and two-thirds innings, so he's averaging almost eight innings a start. Uh, his ERA is 186. Uh, his home runs and walks are way down for him, striking out basically a batter. And, I mean, he's been... Uh, you know, like everything any Indians fan has ever hoped he would be, uh, that's what he's been for the last month. And, uh, you know, while a month isn't like a huge sample or anything like that, uh, and I don't think he's going to maintain a 186 ERA, uh, I do feel like it's plausible that he's, you know, finally figured some things out, had some things he's working on come together. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm starting to, to buy into the idea that he's become the pitcher we want him to be and gives the Indians another really good starting pitcher now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, how much do you put into – how much credit do you give just to Chris Jimenez for that? I mean, because we're going to have eventually Roberto Perez is coming back. and Yeah, that's you know, a really interesting out. thing. I would I would really like to think that whatever has clicked between the two of them could be, you know, transferred to Perez or Gomes or whoever's going to catch him. Because um, I don't – the Indians aren't going to keep three catchers on the roster. And while I know you <laughs> – I don't see that. You gotta happening. get Perez on there. I don't care what you do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's one of those things. Without being able to talk to the players or you know having watched them work together, it's hard to know how much of it uh, is credited to that. But yeah, I would certainly like to think that whatever is working can be transferred over pretty well. I know a lot of it is. There's been at least a lot of talk about Bauer not really, you know, shaking off uh, the pitches that are being called for him, which is something he used to do a lot. You know, so that's the kind of thing. There's no reason, you know, he can't do that with another catcher. I know a big part of that is obviously he's got to be happy with the game that's being called for him. Um, so, you know, hopefully Jimenez can, can talk to the other guys and, you know, pass along any tips he's got. I'd like to think this is, you know, most the credit should go to Bauer primarily. So I don't, I, I'd hate to think that losing the catcher would cause a dramatic difference. It's kind of a weird position for Jimenez because he's telling the other pitcher or catchers how to handle Bauer, which is like his only reason for being here. I mean, <laughs> being honest, if he, if it wasn't for how well he helps Bauer, I don't think they would have traded for him. So he's basically giving away information that makes him expendable. <laughs> but I mean, if he's being a good teammate, sure. Why not? And then, Roberto Perez, of course, he can play any position he wants because he's Roberto Perez. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you said, they're not going to carry three catchers, so I think something's going to happen somewhere. I, I mean, I think there's been studies done that says that catchers don't really have that much of an impact on a pitcher, but you can't really deny that it's worked for Bauer so far. And I don't know, like, is it just kind of kind of something intuitive between him and Jimenez, or is it something you can even pass along? 
So that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, no, general, I mean, there are other pitchers who, for stretches of their career, have had kind of like a, a caddy catcher. Uh, I don't know. Part of that is, you know, the backup catcher is going to play roughly every six game anyway. So if you just, you know, if you set him with one pitcher, it's not like you're upping his playing time all that much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, things just click right. Uh, I don't know if, you know, the catcher knowing he's only got to worry about that pitcher. Uh, in terms of the starters, makes it easier for him to do a better job of preparing. I have no idea. Or if there really is nothing to it in most cases. Uh, but yeah, Bauer's been great. Uh, Juan Uribe homering four games in a row after returning from uh, his unfortunate injury. I'm fully in favor of him getting, you know, once he cools off, if this is what it takes, <laughs> I'm willing to miss him for a few days. Uh, and he's... He's a guy. He's, he's he's a man. He can he can handle it. I think he can take a hundred six mile power shot every so often if if that's what it takes to hit four or more home runs. I mean, I don't think I would. Well, I mean, what does he get paid this year? Like, oh, he's dollars? getting paid like four million dollars. I. So that's an interesting question. There, every seven days, you get a hundred six mile power shot. You get four million dollars, and you need to be really good at baseball for a few days. Yeah, I mean, I would do it for one season. I, you know, for, for six months, I'd get hit once a week, uh, and then I'd have $4 million, and I would probably just retire at that point. The other thing is, what we don't know is, would it have the same effect if you were wearing a cup? I mean, because frankly, if he just has to get hit, I would take it. I would just wear a cup. I'm sure it would still hurt, but not as much. Uh, but maybe part of the magic comes from his, uh, his lack of protection. The only way to know is to experiment, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and and go back to Trevor Bauer for a second. Um, another interesting thing is that I don't know if you follow Kyle Body Driveline Baseball. Uh, he used to be a Let's Go Tribe reader, and you said he wrote a couple things too. But um, it's really interesting to follow him because of how closely he worked with Bauer. And he said that one big thing that's worked recently, and you can see it working, is the break on his curveball. It's something that takes a while to actually take effect. But Bauer's been working on it ever since he started at Driveline, and that's finally starting to sort of click. So that's another thing going for him, I think, which is great to see. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Bauer has worked really hard at pitching all along. Um, I think he's really, really interested in it. I think he's got, you know, sort of the type of brain to, you know, to really want to solve problems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's put in a lot of time. Uh, and so it's it's nice to see him getting, seeing the payoff for that. And we get to benefit from the payoff as well. And we do have to give credit, Brian Shaw. I think even last week, we both kind of said, we're almost at our breaking point with him, but three straight appearances, no earned runs. I'm still not completely confident in him, but I don't need to breathe into a paper bag every time he goes in now, I guess. <laughs> well, I agree. I, I mean, I said last week, I and I had been sort of holding on with him longer than I think most, but I had finally reached the point where I didn't have any confidence in him out there. Uh, but yeah, really good week for him. And he wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he didn't give up any runs, but he was dancing around a lot of, you know, terrible situations. Uh, he struck a, about half the guys he faced. He struck out and, uh, you know, maybe one walk. Uh, but, yeah, he had a, a really good week, and hopefully that keeps up. And then uh, one interesting thing I didn't even have on our little thing was that Abraham Amante, of course, he started rehabbing. Uh, yesterday was his first game. He actually hit a home run. So <laughs> that, of course, brought out interesting comments. But. Uh, he's come on his way back from a PED suspension. He can join the team on July 3rd without, as long as there's no postponements or anything. But So it's going to be interesting to see what to do with him because I don't think you optioned Tyler Naquin to make room for him. Maybe Michael Martinez. But I think I saw Ryan say that he still has an option and 
Ryan's usually right about that stuff. So if he does, I think he just option Almonte when he comes back, right? Is there anything else you would do? Uh, I mean, if Almonte can play the way he did the the end of last year, I'd rather have him up than Martinez. So that's the switch I would make. But yeah, I mean, I think the Indians are in a position where, you know, I mean, if, if Almonte looks great for the 10 days or whatever it is between now and July 3rd, then you can go ahead and bring him up when he's eligible. You know, but certainly if he looks like he needs to get some stuff together, there's no reason they need to bring him up immediately just because he's eligible. So I think it, it's nice for them to have kind of the, the freedom just to see how he actually looks. And, you know, first game back's a good start. We'll see where he's at, you know, come July 2nd, I guess. Yeah, and the only thing with Martinez is I think, who was it that came back? Was it Carrasco? Somebody came back, and then they optioned Naquin instead of Martinez. I can't remember who it was, but I remember the, the reasoning for that was because that Martinez can play the infield, so I don't know if that's the same thought process there. Even though he hasn't played a whole lot of infield, it's mostly been outfield for him. But, you know, Terry Francona loves his flexibility and his eight-man bullpen for whatever weird reason, so... I just, I, I just think, I mean, the way Naquin's hitting right now, I just, I, I don't think you can justify sending him down. Right. I mean, he's not even hitting as flashy as he was before, but like I said, he has three walks in the last week, which he's raised his walk rate to 8%, which is, I would say, fine now compared to like the 1.3% he had for a while. So he's definitely made improvements. I don't know about his offense or his defense hasn't still been great, but <clears throat> at least offensively, I'm, I've been impressed with him lately. Yeah. I mean, when they sent him down the first time, he was hitting well you know, in a fairly small sample. Uh, and then he, you know, came back up and has continued to hit really well. And it's not a massive sample, but he's got, you know, like 120 plate appearances at this point. And he's, you know, his slugging percentage is 550. His OPS is like 920 something. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's too large a sample to send down a guy hitting that well. That's not to say I think he's going to keep hitting at that level, uh, but I don't think you send him down right now. Um, and so something you wrote about, uh, was it two days ago, I think? It's that the Indians are finally going to have a 30-dinger hitter, probably. Oh. <laughs> Maybe even two. They're on pace. They're on pace. Uh, <laughs> They're going to do it. Jason Lucart confirms. It's going to happen. <laughs> if he's wrong, it's his fault. But no, uh, Santana, he has 15 home runs through 309 plate appearances. Napoli, 15 and 228, or 282. And then it would be the first time since, you said, 2006, and Travis Hafner hit 42. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, they. I think Grady Sizemore in 2008, I think, was the last guy to hit 30. When I wrote the post, Santana and Napoli were both on pace for 35, and so Hafner was the last guy to clear that. Yeah, I mean, it's been ages since the Indians had two hitters, you know, hit 30-plus home runs in the same season. Uh, and at this point, even with a little regression, uh, they could both get there. I feel like, you know, like if you were betting on it, the the, the even money bet would be, you know, one of them gets there. Uh, most likely one of them doesn't. But I feel like having two guys on pace for 35 home runs this far into the season, you got a pretty good chance that one of them will get there. And uh, so... Cleveland will finally get a championship and finally get a 30 home run hitter. I don't know which one will be the bigger deal. <laughs> Even after this, do you think it'll stop people from demanding a right-handed power bat? Uh, I mean, I think if it's 30, then it'll be, yeah, but when is someone going to hit 40? <laughs> right, right. And I, I'm pretty sure I know this answer, but would you bet on Santana or Napoli getting it first? Uh, yeah, I would bet on Santana. Yeah, <laughs> so would um, I. And... I'd be fine with Santana hitting 27 home runs again, which he's already done a couple times in his career. Uh, but it would be nice to have someone get 30 just so that's not a conversation topic anymore. It would be nice to have Santana be a guy to do it because people have complained about him so much. Absolutely not. If he hits 27, he's garbage and cut him. I mean, if he hits 30, he's great. I mean, give him a long-term contract. But 27, just cut him. 
is if Santana hits 27 or even 29 and Napoli hits 30, it won't matter if Santana's on base percentage is like, you know, 30, 40 points higher than Napoli's. <laughs> People will still be like, ah, finally they brought in Napoli so someone could do something around here. <laughs> finally got that clutch hitter. Even though Napoli's like the worst in the clutch this season, I think. But if he gets a bunch of home runs, that makes him a clutch hitter because that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of Napoli and even Rajai Davis, uh, something I wrote about today, which it could be coincidence, but uh, back on December 16th, the Indians, they were going to trade for Todd Frazier. Um, they didn't. Everybody got angry. I think I even tweeted something from Let's Go Tribe. I don't remember what it was, but nobody was happy with the Indians because at that point, I think they only signed Robbie Grossman, which, by the way, please return. We're sorry. Um, they also signed Shane Robinson. That was pretty much it at that point. And then we just watched the White Sox swipe away a third baseman. And another part that sucked is what we saw that they traded for, which wasn't that much. But then it came out that the, the, they were demanding a lot from the Indians, like one of or both Frazier or Zimmer, which doesn't even – I wouldn't want to do one of them either. But, or one of them even for him, I don't think. But yeah, and then the, the same day, they agreed to, to contracts with Mike Napoli and Rajai Davis, which looking at it so far, I would say I think they've come out on top, especially if you factor in Juan Uribe, who they probably wouldn't have signed with Todd Frazier. So I think whether the, whether the decisions impacted each other or whether the Indians consciously chose to get Napoli and Davis over Frazier, either way, they come out looking right in that deal, I think. Yeah, I mean, Frazier's talking about Mike Napoli hitting a lot of home runs and not doing a whole lot else. I mean, that's Frazier. He's got even more home runs, uh, but a really unimpressive offensive line in every other way. Uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't among those super bummed out not to get Frazier. Uh, and I wasn't like super pumped about Napoli and Davis either. But Davis especially has worked out way better than I expected. Uh, and of all of the players we're talking about right now, Davis is the one having the best season right now. So, yeah, I think, you know, things have definitely worked out well uh, for the Indians through, uh, you know, not quite half the season. And I think, you know, just part of it's just the home runs again. Uh, I mean, I could understand why people were excited about the idea of getting Frazier. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he was – he's not like a five- or six-win player in my mind, which is, I think, how a lot of people, like – even without putting it in those terms for themselves, feel like he was going to have that kind of impact on the team. He's, he's not that kind of player. Yeah, it's just name recognition, really. Uh, and like the most surprising thing between all those players, I think the most surprising disappointment has been Napoli's defense at first, which eye test has been fine, but apparently metrics think he's been terrible at first base. And he has he's played quite a few games at DH, and Carlos has gone back to first, so maybe the Indians are seeing something too. But I remember when we first signed uh, Napoli, the, one of the things I was saying that the biggest benefit is going to be the fact that he can play defense over Santana, but maybe that's not an advantage. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, I think. I think he's looked fine, but I don't know what I'm missing that everyone else is seeing. Have you noticed anything with him? No, I mean, same thing. Like, you know, on the eyeball test, he doesn't he doesn't seem really much better or worse than Santana to me uh, defensively. I expected him to look better, and he hasn't. Um, but, you know, I'm surprised when I look at the defensive metrics where they have him. He, he hasn't felt that bad to me. But, you know, again, he's, he's a one-year deal. I feel like the clubhouse right now is in really good shape. And, you know, you know, there's plenty of room to debate how much that matters. But I feel like the Indians have a lot of confidence right now. They're having a lot of fun. And Napoli seems to be a pretty big part of that. Uh, you know, so if he can hit 30, 35 home runs and, uh, you know, be – something like a, a league average player overall and a positive impact in the clubhouse for what the Indians are paying him. That's fine by me. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. Um, 
so just on the subject of clubhouse stuff, one of the things I was thinking about is the fact that if you look at last year when the Indians weren't really winning a whole lot, I would say they still had almost the same exact clubhouse clubhouse vibe. They were still having a lot of fun. And I remember that one time somebody gave up a home run. I think it was Shaw. And then on the plane afterwards, Kipnis was joking with the intercom that you could see it flying by in the window. So, I mean, people always say that the chemistry comes from winning. But even when the Indians were losing, they were still having people stepping up and quote-unquote high-character guys. But I think they're almost kind of proving that you can have a good chemistry either way. And maybe Yeah, it make well, the I think difference. right now it just it feels like... <clears throat> They, they like hanging out with each other. I mean, a baseball season is long. And you're, I mean, you know, home games are longer days for the players than I think most fans realize in terms of how long they're at the ballpark. And then, of course, you know, all of the road trips and long flights. And uh, you spend a massive amount of time with those people. And I think it makes a, I'm sure it makes a big difference if you're with a group of guys you really like hanging out with and the Indians in the last couple of years seem to have a combination that works and the new guys that have come in seem to have fit into that really well. And, and you know, and added to it, uh, you know, Juan Uribe seems to be really well liked and there's some kind of fun, goofy stuff about him being Jose Ramirez's father. Um, <laughs> it's like a really good combination. And I think you're right. That doesn't necessarily mean the team is going to win. Um, but I, I think uh, the combination of liking each other and playing well, I feel like everyone's got a good mindset right now. And I think you know, the confidence is really high right now. So, again, we've been saying all year that, you know, we thought this could be a good team. Uh, and here they are, what, 41 and 30. This is their best winning percentage they've had. They're on pace to win 93 games. And this is, you know, to be this far into the season with that kind of winning percentage, it's the first time since 2007 when they reach the ALCS. So, I mean, this is, it's, we've been saying this, it's a good baseball team. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just like on a human level, I mean, if you're working with people you like, just as a person, you're going to perform better. Like, I mean, if you're in an office and you have Linda in accounting making annoying phone calls all day, maybe you won't be as happy that day. You won't be as effective, but I'm sure it's different for a baseball player working at the high level. But when you're with people you like, I think there's at least a little bit, even for a baseball player or sports, any kind of athlete, if you're with play, people you I like, agree. Perform I, 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 I think that kind of stuff is the hardest stuff for, you know, sort of the modern advanced metric type, you know, fans to kind of grapple with sometimes is the fact that these are still people and like, you know, the emotional human side of stuff does come into play. And I mean, I think almost everyone uh, has had jobs they like and jobs they didn't like. And I know it's easy to say, well, you're playing baseball for a living. How could you not like that? Uh, but if the team's doing poorly and you, you know you don't really like your teammates, yeah, it's baseball, but it's 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 your job, I and mean, it's not the same. It's not the same as you know clocking in at the factory, but it's also not the same as just like goofing around playing pickup basketball with your friends, which is I think how some uh, fans view it. But right now, for the Indians, it does seem like it's a lot like you know goofing around playing pickup ball with your friends because they seem to like each other. So I mean, completely anecdotally, but I think. Because I'm someone who watches a ton of baseball on TV, but I rarely ever get to a game. And like when you see the players in person, like on the field, you can really get the sense that they're just people who are going home after the game. It's different on TV. I don't know if it makes any sense, but like when you see them on TV, they just seem like TV characters doing a thing. And so obviously they must get along. But when you see them on the field in person, they just look so much more human. And I don't think enough, like all the people online yelling about that kind of stuff don't really probably go to games and get that human feeling maybe. Anyway. So looking ahead... Um, Indians are going to be facing the Tigers, who are another hot team. Uh, just came off a sweep 
I believe, a sweep of the Mariners, something like that. Yeah. Okay, and they're third in the Central. Uh, they're at 37-35, four-and-a-half game backs of the Indians. The matchups we're going to be seeing is going to be Danny Salazar and Jordan Zimmerman tomorrow, Carlos Carrasco against Inabal Sanchez on Saturday, Josh Tomlin, Justin Verlander on Sunday, which, depending on which pitcher both teams get, I guess that one could be a lot of home runs that day. They are, the ranks for the Tigers, of course, their offense is incredible. <laughs> they're ranked fourth in runs per game at 4.78, second in on-base percentage, third in slugging. But then when you look at their pitching, that's their big problem. They're 13th in ERA in the AL. They don't strike out a whole lot. They're 13th. They got a lot of production out of Michael Falmer, but they're skipping a start from him coming up soon. So, yeah, what do you think, looking ahead to the Tigers here, do you think it's going to be maybe a little bit too excited to say the third sweep in a row, but do you think they have a good chance to continue their recent domination of the Tigers this season? Uh, I mean, I think the Indians are the best team in the division right now, so on that level, you know, I think they're, you know, it makes sense to sort of favor them in the series. But I think Detroit's a good team. Uh, you know, their, their record right now is not much above 500, and their run differentials, you know, not positive. But they've been playing a lot better in June than they were earlier in the year. Uh, and I think some of their pitching, their, their starting pitching, you know, same thing, has been better more recently than it was early in the year. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I the Royals' weird voodoo magic will continue to have me freaked out and, until they're dead and buried under the ground. Um, <laughs> but the more logical part of me feels like the Tigers are the bigger threat to the Indians in the division. Um, so it'd be nice to get another sweep. I'd, I'd be... 100% A-OK with taking two or three, too. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, they have that secret weapon over there. They have Mike Avilas. I mean, he can play <laughs> everywhere. He's just the greatest. <laughs> Plays every position. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and we come back. We're going to have Brandon Day of uh, Bless You Boys. He's going to give us a little more insight into the Tigers and what we can expect. Stick around. And we are back now with staff writer on Bless You Boys, Brandon Day. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. How's it going tonight? That's going pretty good, especially watching the Indians sweep two in a row. That was fun. So, yeah, watching uh, the uh, Tigers sweep four for the Mariners was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we needed that. Teams, both these teams are going to come in kind of just on fire, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get too cocky and say we're on fire, but yeah, it's been a good run and we needed it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think right now... Um, with Cleveland and with the Indians winning six in a row. I'm allowed to be a tiny bit cocky, maybe. Maybe it won't be that way in a yeah, week. I think, but... Yeah, I hope we can cure you of that, but at the moment, I think you probably have a reason to be. <laughs> so, uh, just getting right into a little preview thing kind of here, most of my questions I had, it just revolves around individual players. Like, the first one here, Justin Verlander is, I mean, what are we seeing? Is this lately, this Justin Verlander that we're seeing? I mean, he has, like, two or fewer runs allowed in six of his last nine starts. He struck out double-digit uh, batters in two games and he has no walk issues this season is this the uh justin verlander we're going to see going forward or is he going to revert back at some point is there any kind of signs that maybe this isn't going to last forever or what are we looking at here with justin um, Verlander? yeah i mean basically since um since you know he can't he was injured last year and basically when he came back um he struggled a little bit early last year and then you know from july on you know i think um in terms of dra and war he was one of the top mm, five ten pitchers in the game so this is kind of going on about a year now that he's, you know, he's basically turned it around and, um, you know, he's probably not, you know, he's not 2011, you know, MVP Justin Verlander anymore, but he's, he's capable of being pretty close to that on a given night. So, um, yeah, you know, he's got his fastball, especially the last few outings, you know, he's, he's averaging about 94 miles per hour again. Um, he can still touch 97 when he wants, um, seems to do that with ease. 
Um, the big change, you know, earlier um, this year, you know, he had a pretty bad April, and everybody, of course, you know, you start uh, you start hearing the doom and gloom <laughs> about Verlander whenever there's you know a couple bad outings, um, especially with that contract. But um, yeah, you know, he, he turned it around. He um, sounded like he kind of dropped his arm slot just a little bit and started getting a little more tail on the fastball. And then the big change is that he um, he's basically throwing what he's calling a slider, but it basically looks like a cutter. He's throwing this thing 89-90 um, with horizontal break on it. And it's it's been a really nasty pitch, especially to right-handers. Um, he's been throwing it to lefties, too, in on the hands. Um, and, yeah, you know, just getting a lot more swings and misses. I don't think he's, he's had a strikeout rate this high since, um, I think it was 2009. So, you know, he's given up a few too many bombs, and that might continue because he's got a pretty high fly ball rate going uh, going these days. But, yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of starts where, you know, he's just mowing through people, maybe gives up, you know, a walk and a dinger somewhere along the way. But, yeah, yeah, it's been pretty impressive. He's definitely uh, carrying the staff. Yeah, if you can get even just close to 2011 Verlander, I think you're in pretty good shape there. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting yeah, to see. Yeah, we'll definitely take it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting on Sunday if Justin Verlander has home run problems. He's going up against Josh Tomlin, who has home run problems of his own. So that might be a high-scoring game with a lot of sadness for one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah, there's a lot of you know, a lot of power oh. on both sides. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of lot, lot of power on both sides. And yeah, you know, um, Cleveland always seems to be one of those teams. You know, Carlos Santana in particular just always seems to just rock a solo shot or two off him. I don't know why. <laughs> he just has his number a little bit. <laughs> yeah, nobody on the Tigers has the Indians' number. Nobody, nobody that. I'll let you still have Miguel. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> well, you're not pitching Corey Kluber this time, so you should be all right. <laughs> that's right. That's true. And you don't have Rajai Davis. I don't remember if, if it was as apparent from a Tigers fan perspective, but in the past few years, progressive field, I mean, he murdered the Indians, and now he's doing that for the Indians, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we really liked Rajai, too. You know, I was a little sad to see him go. He's a fun guy to watch. Get him oh. out there against enough left-handers, and yeah, he'll do some damage for sure. Oh, yeah, and stealing a whole bunch of bases this season. It's great. Yep. Uh, Honey Chow. So the next person. Wild is uh, Nick Castellanos. He's really similar to a player that the Indians have by the name of Tyler Naquin that it seems like he's hitting probably way above himself right now, but he, uh, Castellanos has 13 home runs already, at 128 WRC+. Is he for real? I mean, it's basically the same question as Justin Verlander, I guess, but less of a track record. Is this what we're going to see out of him going forward, or is this just out of nowhere in yeah, a month or two? Well, you know, I mean, they've been expecting this from Nick, you know, ever since he, he came up. You know, they, they probably rushed him up a year um, a year too soon. Once we traded away uh, Prince Fielder and got Kinsler, they wanted to move Miggy back to first, obviously, and, and they did kind of rush him up. So I think he kind of got thrown to the fire a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I would... I would say that this is pretty much what you're going to see from Nick going forward. Um, he still strikes out a lot, but all along he's made a ton of hard contact. You know, I think he's, he ran like a 30% line drive rate his first two years or pretty close to that. So he's always squared the ball up pretty well, but he does strike out a lot, doesn't walk. And the big difference I'd say this year is, um, you know, he's, he's finally found the power, you know, he's done a better job um, kind of laying off off speed pitches and picking the right ones to stay back on and drive. And, um, you know, he's a big kid. He's like, you know, I think he's 6'4", 230. Um, the power potential was always there. So I do think he's finding that now. Um, and he needed to because, yeah, he's he's never going to be a great defender. And that, that combination of poor defense and kind of a uh, just a singles hitting line drive hitter um, was, was not going to work. So, yeah, we were all kind of waiting for this to happen. But um, it's actually, I think, a year to the day since uh, Brad Osmus benched him after just a brutal first half last year. And um, he came back from that. Um, he pretty much raked the whole second half. Um, started flashing that power, and yeah, he's carried it forward. He's he's a little, I'd say he's cooled off quite a bit over the past couple weeks, but um, but yeah, you know, I'd expect him to light it up again. So yeah, you know, we're looking at like, you know, I guess he's gonna hit for like, you know, 
120 WRC plus, something like that this year. Should be in that neighborhood. Maybe a little more if we're lucky. So I let you talk about two good players. We'll just we'll get that out of the way. So let's talk about Justin Upton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I mean yeah. when we look at the off season, like other than maybe the White Sox getting Todd Frazier, the signing of Justin Upton was the biggest thing that just sent Cleveland's fans to a little tizzy about what other teams were doing. That looked like it was just going to put their <laughs> offense just crazy. But what has happened with him? Only eight home runs this year. He's striking out 32% of the time, which I'm pretty sure, I didn't write it down, but I think that might be a career high for him over a whole season. And he's slashing just 235, 290, 386. So what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, you guys might be catching him at a bad time because he is he has really kind of lit it up in June and kind of looks like he's going to go on one of those patented Justin Upton uh, rages for you know a month or so. But the first two months were brutal. I mean, they were brutal. And especially, you know, when you've got this guy that you just paid, I can't remember, $21 million a year to, you know, for six years. Um, yeah, people people have been pretty uh, pretty stressed about that one in particular. Um, you know, he's, he, you know, it was hard to tell even what was wrong. I mean, he was swinging and missing at everything. I and mean, he just looked lost out there. You know, if you didn't know who he was and know his track record, you'd think this guy needs to be sent down immediately. Um, yeah, it just looked like, you know, he had, you know, he had mechanical issues in his swing. He had timing issues. Um, you know, fastballs right down the middle that he looks like he guessed right on, and he's just flat whiffing on him. So uh, he's just a hard guy to figure. You know, we're just getting used to him. And, um, you know, you've heard for years, you know, that this is kind of the player he is, that he's just ridiculously streaky. You know, he'll hit like Miguel Cabrera for a month or two and then just, you know, just be in the tank for a month or two. So we, we're hoping that we've seen the worst. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Because, yeah, we may have six more years of this guy if uh, if he doesn't kind of uh, pick it up here. And we're all kind of hoping he would uh, rage for two years and opt out of the deal. And, uh, yeah, that's not looking so good at the moment. We'll see. <laughs> And you joke about people saying they should send him down, but I mean, if you if you search like social media for those first couple of months, I guarantee you're going to see a lot of really earnest people saying option him or cut him. <laughs> it always yeah. happens. Oh yeah, yep, it does. Everybody's just losing their mind, you know. You know, it's hard it's hard to be patient, you know. And it's bad, you know. If he had if he had hit great for two months and now was going into a slump, it'd be perfectly fine. But when you slump first, yeah, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. So yeah, it takes so long to build that up after a while. Yeah, that whole thing was such a classic um, kind of Illich, Mike Illich move. Um, you know, we all all winter long were like, you know, is this really what we're going to do in left field? You know, we signed Mike Avila's in. The, is he? <laughs> is this our starting left fielder? Is that what we're trying to say here? So when that happened, you know, we were pretty uh, we were pretty happy to get him, obviously. But um, yeah, that's you know, as far as that deal goes, yeah, we'll just have to see because that that could be a little bit could be one more albatross on the Tigers' neck there. You know, so far they've managed to kind of survive with. Plenty of big contracts on the books and and not fall apart, but yeah, we'll see how that holds up over the years. <laughs> yeah, Mike Avilas was actually the next thing I was going to talk about. He was a player that the Indians had for a couple of years, and he didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, he could technically play a bunch of defense. I mean, I'm sure you know this already, but he can play. He can pe- technically oh, stay in there in a bunch of defense places, but he doesn't do a whole lot. And then for some reason, yeah. there's like a whole group of Indians fans that just love him. I can't explain it. They were really upset when he was gone. They wanted him back. So first. I mean, just how much do you love watching him take the field every day? And second, is, is there that group of fans in Detroit right now, or is that kind of a Cleveland thing? Oh, he is. He's beloved. He's beloved here already, Matt. No, I don't get it. <laughs> no, no, get no it. I'm sorry. It's it's been. Yeah, he's he's basically. Uh, you know, he's basically the whipping boy. I would say of the team. You know, there's always that one guy, that one 24th or 25th man who just takes all the flack. And um, you know, he's been playing more than anyone wants him to. Um, he, you know, he's not hitting. You know, worth a lick. You know, no one could really figure out why we signed him to begin with, because we already have Andrew Romine, who is basically your, you know, switch hitting 
light hitting utility man who plays good defense at all these positions. And so we did, we have two of these guys now. And uh, yeah, Vilas has, uh, you know, he's struggled in the field. Um, they keep throwing him out in right field where he just looks like he does not belong at all. Um, and, you know, and he's not hitting and he's playing more than people would like, you know, especially with uh, J.D. Martinez going down last week. You know, he's been out in right field a couple times against uh, left handers. And, yeah, you know, he's he's really taken the grief. I kind of feel bad for the guy. You know, it's, it's tough to be that guy, and especially when you just come here. Yeah, we've had guys like like you're describing before, you know, Brandon Inge, you know, our old third baseman. Had, you know, a couple good years and then but was just a fan favorite for years after that, you know, and long after he'd kind of gone in the tank and was just terrible. And um, yeah, Vilas isn't going to get that sort of uh, that sort of nice that group of fans kind of building up for him. He's never going to have, have a chance to sort of build that for himself. Yeah, I think he would probably prefer to be back in Cleveland right now because, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's hearing it from the fans on a daily basis. You know, and the guy barely plays, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have that much to do with anything. But yeah, he's the whipping boy for sure at the moment. It's crazy. I mean, he didn't have a chance to build it up here either. He was bad from the start. But it's just something about, I don't know, maybe it's his calves. Have you seen those things yet? Those are crazy. You know, they must be spectacular. <laughs> we called him, what was it, like the man of both calves. If you ever just Google us sometimes, it's so weird. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. maybe Brad Osmus like, talked to Terry Francona or something before the season. Because that's the exact same way that he was being played here. That He was in center field a lot, if that tells you anything about what the oh, outfield man. looked like last yeah, year. Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was the yeah, same exact like, thing. We had no idea why he was going out, but he was. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just a tough go. It's, it's it's a tough go in general. You know, there must be something to the guy. You know, there, I, you know, he must have just you know intangible factor like off the charts that I can't you know can't quite parse where that is exactly. But yeah, for some reason, you know, they really they really wanted him to bring in here. You know, they were kind of talking about you know the veteran presence and all this kind of right. stuff. And you know, our eyes are just rolling in our heads. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know, I just hope we don't see a whole lot of them. And, um, you know, we're, the Tigers are, have been carrying three outfielders for, it feels like, you know, most of the season now and just kind of running with Romine and Avilas on the bench. And, you know, that is that is a bad bench, man. <laughs> you know, we have, we have good good talent just about every position, but the bench is not where it's at right now. At this point, I think it's that Avilas has dirt on every manager. That can That's the only explanation I have. If it goes to another third manager, it, it has to be it. Yeah, they must be passing him around. You know, I don't know if he's some kind of like you know tchotchke that you know you just give as a you know a kind of a joke gift or something. I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, you know I, I actually I actually looked the other day to see if uh, you know Brad Osmus and Mike Avilas had played together at some point, trying to trying to forge the connection there and see you know see what the attraction was. But you know he seems like a good dude. You know um, I don't you know I I grew familiar with the uh, the big waggle and the swing when he played for you guys. I don't like it and you know. We're just going to have to endure this. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> At least you guys are enduring it now, not us. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm super happy to be, be free. Oh, thrilled. So going forward, uh, I mean, right now the Tigers are in third uh, in the AL Central. What do you think they're going to have to change? Or is there really nothing? It's going to get hot now. But what is going to have to happen for the Tigers to either compete for the AL Central at the end or even win it? Do you think they will? Basically, do you think they will win it? And what do they have to do to do that? I think it's actually it's going to be very close. Um, I mean, I you know you guys have three excellent starters over there. Um, I've always been a fan of Salazar in particular, and it looks like he's he's really on fire right now. Um, not looking forward to seeing him. Is it tomorrow? So yeah, he's going to be tough on us, I'm sure. Um, you know, basically it, it, it's the pitching staff. You know, we're depending on some some young pitching, and we came into the season you know after dealing away uh, David Price and Yuan Cespedes with a couple of you know the, kind of the best major league ready young pitchers in the game you know we got a couple of them and daniel norris and michael fulmer 
Um, Norris is a little bit behind, and Fulmer's just been just incredible, just incredible so far. So you know we're gonna we're gonna be riding some young pitchers, um, and you know that's that's kind of an iffy iffy situation. Um, you know Verlander's been really good. Zimmerman had a little injury and was kind of uh, kind of struggled for a few starts, but he's still been really consistent. Just you know really excellent control. Um, you know really knows how to carve hitters up. And you know with those two, I feel pretty comfortable. But it's it's going to come down to our pitching. You know I don't have any concerns about our offense. And we're not going to fix our defense and base running at this point. So <laughs> we're just going to just gonna, gonna kinda have to live with that. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of is, you know, um, the infield is, you know, is pretty solid, but yeah, you know, we've got, you know, it would seem to be like three fly ball pitchers out of our starting staff and um, our outfield is not good. So yeah, we're just gonna have to kind of ride with that. And, you know, we also have one of the largest outfields in the entire game in Comerica Park. So yeah, sometimes the roster construction and the, uh, you know, the situations the Tigers find themselves do not match up. <laughs> not, not well at all for a team with a $210 million payroll. I don't know. You have Mike Avila. So, I mean, you got a pretty great outfield if I do. I mean, he's there. You just got to use him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's, how's Michael Brantley doing? <laughs> oh, not, not so. Maybe my, better than Mike Avila, but... <laughs> <laughs> he probably still is. I have right. to say, yeah, Michael Brantley. I've always, I've always liked, but yeah, that guy is a tiger killer too. <laughs> I mean, I think he played a is week, he a- and he might already have a higher WAR than Mike Avilas. Just eyeballing it, guessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would have to guess that's probably the case. Yeah, is he, is he coming back anytime soon? I haven't really heard anything the past, you know, few weeks. You know as much as I do. <laughs> Nobody seems to know. Okay. There's no timetable. Oh, man. really? They're being really cagey about it, so it's a little terrifying. Oh uh, yeah, so, yeah. But then again, you know, you guys are in first place, and if. Michael Brantley comes back healthy at some point, you know, bam. It's like you made a huge deal at the deadline. Yeah, that's the thing. It was the same thing with Carlos Carrasco when he came back. It was like we just acquired this big pitcher for nothing, so that was great. Yeah, that is nice. You know, like getting J.D. Martinez. It was just like, are you kidding? We, <laughs> They just got rid of this guy? All right, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, the Tigers don't really deserve that kind of luck, considering how much we uh, we spend over here, but um, we'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> so our last little question here that we usually do, um, just to kind of wrap it up, is, so when you think of the Cleveland Indians, what do you think of? Oh, I think of the drum and just wanting to just squash <laughs> that guy so so hard, so bad. More than I, more Not than anything fan. else, it's just that the the doom 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 of the drums in the night, you know, and knowing things probably aren't going so well when you hear that. <laughs> oh, so you know, the first time I went no. to an Indians game, or like first time in a while, a couple months ago. He's in the bleachers, and I had no idea, and I sat right next to where he was, apparently, and I didn't even see him come in, and there was just a loud boom, boom, all of a sudden. It scared the crap out of me, but <laughs> You're I still close. like the drop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing that they've got going, absolutely. Um, you know, the other thing I was kind of wondering to ask you is, I mean, has attendance picked up? Are people buying in? Because we're always a little bit surprised at how easy to get tickets there. You know, we have a lot of people come out to Progressive, and we're, we, you know, especially with, you know, LeBron bringing you guys the glorious title that you've waited for forever is the... Uh, is the attendance going to pick up? Are people fired up? Nope. Okay. <laughs> they were for like a day, I think, after the championship. And then the day of the parade, we thought everybody would come in. Like the Indians did $16 tickets in the upper decks, but nobody apparently bought them. I mean, it's still always as empty as ever. And I don't know. Maybe a little bit more winning. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they just need to see it to believe, you know. You guys have kind of, kind of flirted with it the past couple of years and tailed off. So maybe there's a little skepticism. <laughs> maybe. It'll be back day, I think. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah. I'm sure Omar Vizquel would like to see it over here. You know, we are enjoying having Omar as our first base coach. I can tell you that much. That's another oh, thing I think great. of when I think of the Indians. Yeah. Omar Vizquel. Yeah, he's really great. Yeah, he oh, is. Um, yeah. yeah. So thanks for joining us, Brandon. Oh, absolutely, Matt. Anytime. Thanks for having me. No problem. Once again, that was Brandon Day, staff writer. Uh, bless you, boys. And we'll be right back. 
And we are back. Thank you again to Brandon Day for joining us. That series should be fun, at the very least, no matter who wins. Um, hoping it's the Indians with lots of home runs. <laughs> That's always good. Um, so yeah, the last thing we have today is we're going to wrap it up with some social media questions. You can always reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, the day of the podcast, I usually send out a little message that we're looking for questions. This week we got a ton of them. Uh, we only get up time for a few, but try to pick out a couple of my favorite ones. A lot from Facebook this week, only a couple from Twitter. So uh, we're going to start with Josh and Marion on Facebook. He asks, what are the chances of possibly winning or at least reaching the World Series? Uh, do you want to take that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're good. The Indians, on talent and on record, are the best team in the division right now, uh, which puts them into the postseason. And as we talk about pretty much any time the postseason comes up, the postseason in baseball is not like the NBA, where one of the you know two or three best teams pretty much always wins. So, I mean, you know, if they get into the playoffs, who knows what happens. But in terms of, uh, you know, what are their chances, I'd say their chances are, you know, better than they've been at this point in the season any time going back to 2007. You know, what I think tough is for a lot of fans, it's a win the World Series or bust mentality where anything short of that sort of feels like a failure, which I totally want to see the Indians win a World Series. But that's just not how it works in baseball. Like, if the Indians win, you know, 93 games like they're on pace to and then, you know, lose in the World Series or lose in the ALCS, I mean, it will still have been a really good season. It doesn't negate how fun the team will have been to watch for six and a half months before things ended. Um, So I think you should totally buy into the possibility that the Indians are going to make the World Series. And you should also get yourself in a mindset where if they win the division, you're happy with the season ultimately no matter how the playoffs turn out. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, with on the idea of that, um, the playoffs is a total crapshoot. I mean, like if you look at the NBA Finals, for example, like say Steph Curry makes two more shots in like the final two minutes, the Warriors win, and just imagine what all the storylines are. It's all LeBron choked again, and Steph Curry's awesome. And it's just these just so minor little things can change so much of the narratives that happens in the playoffs that if your team gets there, I would, I'm going to be happy with the Indians getting there. I'll be happier with them winning, but... I'm not going to hate them for if, if they're stuck in the wild card game, losing that somehow or losing late in the ALCS or whatever. But I'll be I feel like but. the regular season is the season and the mm. Indians haven't won their division for nine years. And so I really want to see them win the division. And for me, the season will be a success if they win the division. Uh, you know, I could live with a wild card spot, too. But in terms of like where the team's at right now, if they win the division, it was a good season in my book. And then the postseason is like this whole other thing. And if you're lucky enough that your team, you know, makes the postseason or, you know, you're a fan of a team that makes it all the time because of money, then great. And now what happens there is like it should be like this whole other thing in your head. And if that goes really well, too, then awesome. But if it doesn't, you still had that six month long season that went really well. (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing. It's just hard to forget you're happy for so long and then it just gets crushed in a week. But I agree. A winning season, I'll be happy. Well, I'll amend that. A winning season without the Royals winning the World Series again, I'll be happy. <laughs> which team would you not hate to see win the World Series the most this year, do you think? Oh, not hate? You mean which? Yeah, you're asking which team it. not which, wants to win the World Series? <laughs> which team would you not mind to see win the World Series? Mind. Other than the Indians? Like, if the, right. if the Indians aren't going to win it, who would I prefer? There you go. That's the big goal. Uh... <laughs> I'll say the Mariners. They've never won it. They lost that that, that city. Lost its basketball team. Uh, 
I guess the Mariners. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I'm overlooking someone, but like 2010, I would have said the Giants, but now the Giants have won three World Series, so they don't need any more. <laughs> they didn't need any more after one, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good answer. I would say I'm trying to go through every team in my head. That's about where I am too. I wouldn't mind seeing the Rangers win it either. You know, pretty much yeah, anybody. I mean, a, a team that hasn't won it before, right. I feel like, is the choice that's hard to get like too angry about. And I was going to say the Astros, but as long as Carlos Correa is still the AL Rookie of the Year award, I can't do that. <laughs> He's not allowed to win until Francisco does. Because he stole that. He planned it and everything. I'm telling you. Okay. So our second question uh, comes from Dan Watson on Facebook. He asks, where do you put Brantley when he comes back? Just wondering because everyone is doing so well. You put him in left field. <laughs> yeah, I think you put, it, put him back into left field. Right. You know, Davis, the center field. I mean, who knows? Monte might be back. I, I don't even know how to answer quite, you know, who's in the other two spots. But Brantley's healthy enough to be on the roster. He's the starting left fielder. And, you know, you give him a day off here, there, DH here and there. Um, in terms of the lineup, I would probably just kind of put him back into his old spot. He obviously is going to have to hit better than he did in the few games he played earlier this season. But you give um, him a pretty long leash, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, I think they should be super patient with bringing him back to be as confident as possible that, you know, he's, he's ready to actually perform like himself. Uh, but whenever they reach that point where they feel like he's ready to be back, then yeah, I think you, you know, you put him where you would have put him before the season started and, and hope the results are good. Yeah. I mean, at worst you have a platoon in center with Naquin and Davis, I guess. And then Ramirez, I still want to see him play every day, but that would be, I guess, more of third base with Juan Uribe. But either way, I don't think he takes away a ton of playing time from Brantley when Brantley comes back. So I think if anything, Juan Uribe might be the odd man out, maybe. Although I guess he's probably going to have to play in time just because they're paying him. But but yeah, you put him back in left field. You don't... He gets hit in the nuts. So he misses, <laughs> you know, four games and Ramirez is starting third baseman. Uribe comes back and hits four home runs and, you know... <laughs> Ramirez maybe fills in for Lindor Kipnis once or plays a little in the outfield. And and then when it's time, Uribe gets hit in the nuts again. <laughs> do we need Mike Trout to do it every time or can it just be anybody? I mean, is this like uh, a back to the future? It just has to be 106 miles per hour. Exactly. Mile per hour grounder. So you're probably <laughs> limited in the number of guys who can do it. But I feel like if nothing else, you just get like a, some sort of pitching machine and just you just take care of it before <laughs> the game even starts. Oh, do you sell tickets to that? <laughs> It's free. Something like that is for the people. <laughs> oh, that's ow. <laughs> so our final question comes from at Galvey Jr. on Twitter. He asks, are minor league catchers with awesome names the new market inefficiency? Yes, and the Indians have it cornered. They have Sick Narf Loopstock in Lynchburg right now, and then they have they just drafted Logan Ice, which is just an awesome name, I think, for a player. So yeah, they do. It is. I guess well, he back. is kind of a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They just kind of happened to get... Did they get anybody else with a cool name in the draft? I mean, we had a Bieber, I know, and there was Plezak. I think that was about it. Yeah. It wasn't like their strongest name draft. <laughs> we need to, we needed to do that. We need to rank all the name, the drafts by name. Although, whichever one Sicknarf was in, that has to win, because that's the best. Yeah. What did well, Matt say that was? It's good to have off-season projects. Something to fill the time when there's no actual baseball. <laughs> and that mid-December kind of content there. But yeah, Sicknarf, it's like, I think it was Francis backwards, and then Loopstock literally means walking cane in English. So, Francis Walking Cane is his real name. <laughs> so, that's all we have uh, for today. We're going to be watching baseball soon, tomorrow again. It's an off night tonight. So, what are you going to be doing coming up? 
uh, as in the rest of the night, because it's an off night, or like the week between now and when we talk next? Between now and the year 2048. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, between now and the next recording. Uh, I oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be meeting my baby nephew. Uh, one of my two sisters had a had a baby earlier this year, and she lives in Malaysia. So uh, I'm I'm yet to meet the little guy, but this weekend I'm gonna meet him. So that's cool. exciting. Uh, beyond that, uh, I don't know. Maybe go see Finding Dory. I don't think it's going to be very good, but I feel like I'm obligated to see all the Pixar movies, at least until Cars 3 comes out. So maybe maybe get out to a movie or something. Oh, Independence Day. Maybe go see Independence Day and pretend I'm 16 again. <laughs> I know the first one was terrible, but I liked it. I definitely want to see the second one. I, am a I don't even know if the first one was terrible. I don't think I've watched it since like a year after it came out when I watched it in like video, probably literally video for the... Well, I don't. So I don't know. I have no idea if it holds up. I enjoyed it at the time. <laughs> it's surprisingly aged well because it wasn't really like a high quality movie in the first place. There's not a whole lot to degrade, but I mean, the special effects looks good. It's still a big. It's just a disaster porn movie, which I like. And the second one, I like Bill Pullman, like. and I like like Jeff Goldblum. So there, there's that at least. Are they in the new one? I don't even know. They are. Will Smith is not, but the two of them Will are Smith back. Because Will Smith was kind of the most boring character in the first one, so that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Will Smith, go go do more Fresh Prince. Otherwise, I don't have any interest. <laughs> and the Suicide Squad, which he's on that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You're not excited about Finding Dory? I think that looks good. I like Nemo a lot. I don't know. The reviews aren't great. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> Finding Nemo's great. We'll, we'll see how well they can recapture it. That's exciting. So that is all we have for this week. Uh, we're going to be back... Next week is not the week you're gone, right? Or is it? No, I, I no. am around next week and then gone two weeks from now. Okay, so next week, it'll be us again. The week after that, we'll have a different co-host. I think it's going to be Matt. He's going to come on with me. So that'll be fun. And thank you all for listening. Thanks.